This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Well, praise the Lord. Good to see everybody out tonight. Good to be in, 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 in God's house and to... And to Worship Him, worship the Lord. Wasn't that a blessed song, that last one? Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer. All right, so um, I don't know. You know, we sang that one song, Alas, and Did My Savior Die, and we had the two, and it looked the same, didn't it? Anybody notice the difference between the two panels? One said that he was dying for his creature's sin, and the other one said the creature's sin. Don't ask me what the difference is, but anyway, that was the difference. I just want to make sure you're all paying attention. Okay, so let's pray. Father, do arrest our hearts now. Arrest us, Lord, from every distraction, from every, Lord, pull of turmoil within and allurement without. Arrest us, Lord, we surrender ourselves to you now and point us to our blessed Redeemer, our precious Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Amen. Now, uh, we're gonna do something a little bit different because what, what we have here in this book, in, in the book of Genesis, by the way, we're in chapter 40 and 41 here, and we're gonna look at chapter 40 and, and verse 14 through 15. So if you have your Bible, I hope you do. If you turn through Genesis chapter 40, verse 14, we're gonna be looking at a couple verses here in about three verses in chapter 40, then we're going to go right into chapter 41. What's so interesting about this passage here is that we have two people, and we're going to see them now. We have two people who are as far different as the East is from the West. We've got Joseph and Pharaoh, and yet each in their individual lives faced a crisis and overcame it, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. Okay, let's look, for example, first now at Genesis chapter 40, verse 14. And this is where Joseph is speaking now to the butler, the chief butler 
There were two in the prison with him from Pharaoh's camp. There was a butler and the baker. The butler had a good outcome. The baker had a not so good outcome. But the butler was going to be delivered. He was going to go back up to his position. And so Joseph is now left in the, in the prison, and he's pleading with him before he gets delivered out of the prison, the butler, and he says these words in verse 14. But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was, let me say that again, for indeed, I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. Now drop down to verse 23. Verse 23, same chapter, chapter 40, verse 23. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forget him. Now continue going to verse 40, to chapter 41, verse 1. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed a dream and dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine, cattle, and fat fleshed, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kine came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored kine, the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kine, did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kine. So Pharaoh woke. And he slept and dreamed the second time, and behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good, and behold, seven thin ears, and blasted with the east wind, sprung up after them, and the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears, and Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof, and Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that can interpret them unto Pharaoh. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants, put me in ward and the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. We dreamed a dream, one man, one in each, one in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. There was there with us a young man, a Hebrew, a servant to the captain of the guard. We told him and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man, according to a dream, did he interpret. And it came to pass, as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored into my, my office, and him he hanged. Okay, now, Joseph here has just told the, 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 the we're gonna, I know, I know it's very captivating to read this in chapter 40, we gotta back, chapter 41, we gotta back up to when Joseph has just told the chief butler that he was stolen. That's what he said. He said, I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. That's what he says. Now, now, if you know this passage here at all in this whole history of Joseph, that's not quite the way it happened. In fact, if you go back to chapter 37 and you just look at the top of your Bible, it's gonna say something like, Joseph is sold by his brothers to the Ishmaelites. We don't see anything there about him being stolen. It doesn't say that. But it's interesting. I mean, this is a man of God. It's interesting. Here's a person who is filled with the Spirit of God, and it's interesting that Joseph tells this chief butler that he was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. And what's even more interesting is that he uses the word indeed, indeed. All right, now, so what does the word indeed give to a statement, right? So what does it do? I mean, you know, if you, if, if, if some of you by chance might say, it's cold in here tonight, right? Because I sweat a lot, so they keep it down low. But anyway, 
Say, it's cold in here tonight. What's the difference between saying it's cold and it is indeed cold? Okay? It's emphasis, right? It's emphasis. It's emphasis. It's like saying, it's like saying, verily, verily, but you wouldn't say that. But anyway, it's like saying that or truly. And when so when Joseph says indeed in verse 415, when he says, For indeed I was stolen away out of the Hebrews, the land of the Hebrews there, he's emphasizing. He was stolen. He's saying, I'm stolen. I'm telling you, I was stolen. Here's a man, as I said, who is filled with the Spirit of God. He is filled with wisdom. What's he doing saying that he was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews when that's not what happened? He's emphasizing that he was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. Now, as far as the butler's concerned, you know, Joseph says, indeed, he's driving this point. As far as the butler is concerned, what does he know? He doesn't know anything. He doesn't know anything about how Joseph got to Egypt. So, okay, if you say you're stolen, you're stolen. It's fine with me. What am I going to do, argue with you? So Joseph says, indeed. But when he says, indeed, you know, it's like the butler wanted to say, okay, uh, 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 slow down, pal. Don't come on so strong. It's okay. I believe you. You were stolen out of No, I'm telling you, indeed, I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. So Joseph is struggling here. He's struggling. But who is he struggling with? He's not struggling with the butler. The butler is ready to believe whatever he says. After all, they're prisoners. Prisoners always believe each other. So Joseph is used the word indeed because he's struggling with himself. He's struggling with himself. He's struggling with his lower nature. His lower nature is that we have that lower nature, each one of us, I guarantee you. Each one of us has this lower nature. That's the lower nature that wants its own way. That's the lower nature that rebels against God. That's the lower nature that's, that rebels against the rule of God that says, we will not have this God to rule over me, not me. That's the lower nature that says, I did it my way, sings with Frank Sinatra. So Paul calls this lower nature the flesh. He calls it the lower nature of the flesh. In Galatians 5, in Galatians 5, 16, he explains it like this. This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth worth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would do. Okay, so Joseph now is struggling with his flesh. And what's his flesh wants to do? His flesh wants to hate his brothers. Here's the language of the flesh. Settle the score. Set the record straight. Get even. That's his flesh, and he's struggling with that. So in, inside, his flesh is saying to him, hate your brothers. Go ahead. Now's your chance. You can accuse your brothers to this butler. Go ahead. Blame them. Murder your brothers in your heart and with your mouth. That's his flesh that's saying that. But Joseph is trying to walk in the spirit, and so he's, he's saying to his flesh, no, I will not blame my brothers for what they did to me. I'm going to put such a spin on this of what happened that I'm going to believe that it was really those Midianites, those unnamed, unidentified, mysterious people that came and left, who they stole me. They kidnapped me. That's what happened. Those unnamed Midianites, they stole me away out of the land of the Hebrews. So Joseph has come up with this, with this give them the benefit of the doubt spin about being stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. And we look at Joseph, and we see him doing that, and we say, oh, bravo, Joseph. Great job at not becoming bitter against your brothers. 
And when we see Joseph use this word, indeed, we can see that Joseph's in a hot struggle. This is an intense struggle inside. When he's in an intense struggle to love, to love and not to hate. And, and, and that's a hot fight. And it's called in the Bible, fervent love, like hot love, charity. It's charity. Above all things, it says in 1 Peter 4.8, 1 Peter 4.8, above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity or love shall cover the multitude of sins. He's covering a lot of sins right now, Joseph is. He's doing what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, Hebrews 12, 15, 14 and 15, Hebrews 12, 14 through 15, when it says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail or fall of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. So, Joseph realized, Joseph realized that I'm in, a, I'm in the most horrible prison in Egypt right now. My feet are in fetters, but he, he, he says, this is a physical prison, but he has realized there is a worse prison, and I don't want to go to that prison, and that's the prison of bitterness, and I'm not going. And many today are not in a physical penitentiary, but they're in a physical prison of bitterness. You know, Dr. Clyde Naramore was a famous Christian psychologist and he wrote hundred book, hundred books and pamphlets, including Psychology for Living, Psychology for Counseling. He was had the he was the first Christian psychologist to have a, a nationwide radio broadcast. He was a psychologist for the L.A. Superintendent of School District there, and and so and he also has the Naramore Council, Naramore uh, Institute, which is still operating Rosemead. But whenever a new patient would come to him, he would sit to, he would stop and he'd say, he would say to the new patient, wait a minute, stop. Before you tell me anything about your problems, I just have one question that I would like for you to answer, and it's very simply this. Who are you mad at? That was his question. Who are you mad at? Why? Because he did that because invariably, people's psychological problems stem from a bitterness, a root of bitterness. They're mad at somebody, they're angry. And Joseph said, and Joseph was saying, I am not going to go into that prison of bitterness. I'm not. And Joseph's struggle against bitterness, it wasn't just for when he was in prison. It was for all his life. All his life, he struggled against bitterness. It's kind of like dieting, you know? You don't lose the weight, and that's it. You take it from me. I'm an expert. But anyway, you don't just lose the weight until you walk away from it. But, but now I'm fighting against bulimia, and I'm winning the fight. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right. But anyway, he, he, it's a struggle. He was in this struggle for life, this struggle. He never said, okay, now I'm done. I'm walking away. No, he was, how do I know that? Because you can see this in how he named his two sons. He named his two sons. And we're going to see how Pharaoh, or well, you're going to see as you read on, but you know how Pharaoh is going to give him this, this, this wonderful wife. I don't know very much about her. She's the daughter of a priestess, but okay. And so she wasn't raised in a Christian home. But anyway, but um, he's going to have two sons with her. And that's recorded for us in, in, in Genesis 41. In Genesis 41, the chapter we're in, in the last, the last few verses here, where it says this, it says this in, in verses 50 through 52. Genesis 41, 50 through 52, says this. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bare unto him. 
And Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh, Manasseh, which means forgetting. For God, said he, hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of his second son called he, called he Ephraim, or Ephraim, as we say. For God, which means fruitfulness. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. So in naming these two sons, we can see Joseph is continuing to fight against bitterness. As I said, Manasseh means forgetting, and he explains why he named it that, because God's made him to forget all the bad things that happened in the past and the bad things that people did to him. And that means that when you came, so why is that so significant? Because if you came to Joseph and you, 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 you knew that he said to the butler, for indeed, I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. If you came to Joseph and you said, what do you mean you were stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews? What do you mean you were stolen? Don't you remember how your brothers envied and hated you? Don't you remember how your brothers tried to kill you? Don't you remember how they stripped you out of that coat of many colors? Don't you remember how they hurled you into that waterless pit in the desert so that you could die a slow death of thirst there? Don't you remember how you cried to them? Don't you remember how they only brought you out so that they could sell you as a slave? And you know what Joseph would say? Joseph would say, no, I really can't remember. I really can't remember any of that. And then if you kind of pushed him more, he says, come on, come on, I'm going to jog your memory. You know what he would say? He would grab his son and he would say, Manasseh, Manasseh, Manasseh. That's what he would do. He would say, forgetting, forgetting, forgetting. I've really forgotten about all that. And when, so when Joseph named his son Manasseh, he's really making a deliberate decision in life. I'm going to go on. I'm going to forget the wrong that was done to me. And then, and then if you said, you know, oh, okay, all right, okay, we got it. Manasseh, we've seen your son, fine. Okay, now you've forgotten all the wrong that you did. But what do you remember? What do you remember? And that's when Joseph would, he, he would say, where's that little guy? The other little guy, so here he is, Ephraim. He would hold him up and say, Ephraim, Ephraim, Ephraim. <laughs> Don't go away. <laughs> he, he would, God said, he would say, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. So with the naming of the second son, fruitfulness or fruitful, Ephraim, Joseph has actually brought himself to a point of being thankful to his brothers for being responsible to send him into Egypt because if he'd never gone to Egypt, he never would have been so Ephraim, he's so fruitful. And this is what Joseph told them when he finally comes face to face with them later on in the book in chapter 50, verse 20, Genesis 50, verse 20, it's, he speaks to them along these lines. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. See, rather than to focus on the evil that they meant against him, Joseph has made a deliberate decision to choose to focus on the good that God made to happen. He's later going to say to his brothers in chapter 45, or earlier actually, in chapter 45, verse 5, he says another time in Genesis 45, verse 5, he says, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years 
in the which there shall be neither earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. So Joseph resisted becoming bitter by seeing God's hand working through his brothers to the point where Joseph told his brothers, it wasn't even you that did it. It was God who did it. It was God who sent me here to Egypt. That's Joseph resisting his lower nature saying, get even hate. It feels good. Be bitter. Then he says no, and he's overcoming. Who is he that overcometh? He overcome the world. It's faith that overcomes. He has faith, and he overcomes. Now, now that that's Joseph. So Joseph has felt his has had his personal challenge against the temptation to become bitter, and he has now overcome it with his two little kids, Manasseh and Ephraim, and what they mean to him. Okay, now we come to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's dream in, in the next chapter, in, in chapter 41, verse 1. Pharaoh's dream, okay. And it came to pass at the end of two full, year, two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. So Pharaoh now sees himself by the river. The name of the river is not necessary because Egypt is a land of only one river, okay? That's the river Nile. The river Nile does not appear in the Bible, but, but, but the land of Egypt lives off the river Nile. Otherwise, Egypt would be nothing. But Egypt is a land of fruitfulness. It's a land of agriculture. It's a land of tremendous, tremendous production of crops. But Egypt is surrounded by deserts of death, by deserts of death. To the east is the Sinai Desert. To the west is the Sahara Desert, a massive desert covering huge amounts of land, uh, hundreds of square miles there in, the, in, in the North Africa. It's the Sahara Desert. To the south is the Kalahari Desert. And right in the middle of these deserts of death is Egypt. And it's got this tremendous agriculture. And that's only one reason, the river, the river that irrigates Egypt. The snow that falls in the highlands, the torrential rains that fall in both Ethiopia and Sudan, these run through into what's called the Blue Nile and the White Nile. And they run through and they converge together. And especially up there in the land a northern part where all the Jews were uh, in Ethiopia and Gondar, as they as this as as the water is flowing through there, and you look at the water, it's red. It's like a red water. Why? Because there's a fine suspension of red, rich soil that's being carried as it goes down there to Egypt to overflow. And when the water overflows, then the crops uh, do great. And if it doesn't overflow, the crops fail in Egypt. So for Pharaoh, the river was more than just a river. It represented the life of Egypt. It was the condition of Egypt. So when Pharaoh sees himself standing by the river, that's got Pharaoh's attention. He's in his dream. He's seeing himself standing by the river. And at first, Pharaoh sees, so that's the first shocking behold. You know, he was standing there. But then the next thing, he sees cattle coming out of the river. That's shocking. Yeah, cattle don't live underwater. And, and they don't eat underwater either. But these cattle, are, are they come up out of the river, and they're fat. And cattle are very important in Egypt. They were very important in Egypt. The bull 
was Egypt's idol, Egypt's symbol for the Nile, and they called that god, you know, Osiris, and, and, and they believed that, that he gave them agriculture. That's what they believed. The cow was Egypt's other idol, the other symbol there, Osiris, and, and believed that he gave the earth fertility for agriculture. So Pharaoh is seeing his dream. He's seeing himself in the river, and his country is totally dependent on this river, and out of it come his idols, his symbols for both agriculture and soil fertility. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.